for sending your son again to die in our place to pay the price for our sin and we do cry out this morning hallelujah we do cry out this morning in praise and in worship to you because we have been set free from sin through faith in your son Jesus Christ and Lord we worship you we celebrate that fact that we stand here today as followers of Jesus Christ we stand here forgiven no we're not perfect but we're forgiven we've been set free and Lord I just pray that we would use that freedom to bring you much glory to bring you much fame to bring you much honor Lord we uh, love you so much we worship you thank you for this time now in Jesus name we pray amen amen thank you you can be seated this morning man it's great to have you with us here at Grace Church uh and as a Great uh, testimony, Gracie. Thanks for sharing. That was fun. Um, and if you need someone to go with you to Hawaii, all right? Uh, Trisha and I are more than ready to go. We feel a calling, all right? Um, I wanted to just give you a couple updates this morning uh, before we get into the message. And the first thing is today is Promotion Sunday, all right? We are actually seeing some of our kids downstairs and G Kids move up into higher grades and... Um, I just wanted to take this time just to mention that to you, to let you know that, man, every Sunday downstairs, children are being ministered to, being blessed, being encouraged in their faith, and I uh, want to uh, ask you to be in prayer for our children's ministry downstairs, G-Kids. Uh, please continue to pray. What an incredibly important ministry that is to raise up the next generation of followers of Jesus Christ. Please be in prayer for our children and... Uh, uh, Pray for their salvation, pray for their spiritual growth, and uh, man, just be in prayer for the leaders that are down there serving right now. Also wanted to uh, let you know that this is the last Sunday, this is the last Sunday that you can register for the Global Leadership Summit. This Thursday and Friday, okay, this week, this Thursday and Friday, over 100 leaders from our region are going to be gathering in this room, and they are going to be uh, just... uh, grown up, right? They're going to be grown up in their leadership. They're going to be uh, encouraged and influenced um, in leadership. They're going to be challenged. And uh, by attending the Global Leadership Summit, you're going to be exposed to some of the best leaders in the world. Um, It's an incredible event. It's really inspiring. It's challenging. Uh, But it's not just focused on leadership. You will walk away spiritually challenged. And uh, it's, it's just an incredible, incredible time. I want to encourage you to sign up. This is the last Sunday that you can sign up. And what we're going to do this morning, I want you to watch a quick two-minute video from Pastor Bill Hybels about the upcoming summit. So if you would, just watch this video um, as we begin this morning. We're less than two weeks away from the start of the Global Leadership Summit 2016. We're on Trendline to involve more than 300,000 people in 125 different countries in this year's summit. What I've always felt is unique about the summit is that we have a broad-based faculty, and yet they're laser-focused on the single subject matter of leadership. I just finished doing an unbelievable taping with T.D. Jakes out here in Hollywood. He said some things about leadership, about finding things inside of you that you don't even know exist right now. I can't wait for you to hear at the summit this year is probably going to add more value to the business community than any summit in our history. We have Alan Mulally, the former CEO of the Ford Motor Company. 
and we have the new component that we call the Grander Vision videos that show someone who is actually living their faith out in the workplace so that we're not just talking theories, we're showing stories of people who really make something happen. And then we have some incredible church leaders. We have some thought leaders and skill development leaders that we never thought would say yes to us. I say it every year at the summit. I mean it probably more every single year. Leadership matters. When things look dark in society, who's going to lead the way out of the darkness? It's leaders. It's people like you. And so when we get an infusion of leadership, skill development, and passion, and new vision for leadership at the summit, we're doing something incredibly important, not just for our local leadership endeavor, but for our city, our nation, and even our world. You're not going to want to miss the summit. Um, I don't know how else to express it, but I'm stoked. I am so excited for this event. It's going to be incredible, all right? We have over 12 organizations, churches, businesses that have partnered with us that are going to be here. They're coming, um, and so it's just God has already used, used this event um, to just get us together, to spend time together, to network, to hang out, and uh, it's going to be an incredible time. So if you haven't signed up, Please sign up. And like I said last Sunday, if you are unable to, I understand some people are just unable to come. Uh, I would ask that you be in prayer. Please be in prayer for this event. We have never done this as a church. We have never done anything like this. And um, so uh, we are stepping out in ways that we've never stepped out before. So please be praying that God uses this to stir something in this region uh, that brings him much glory. All right. Uh, I'm going to go to the Lord in prayer. And then we're going to get into the message this morning. Father God, thank you for this time again. Thank you for this church. And I just pray that you would use the words that are spoken from this body, Lord. Uh, you would use them in a mighty, mighty way in the hearts and the minds and the lives of people. I pray that people would be edified. They would be encouraged. They would be challenged. I pray that some today would be moved to, to, to make a decision uh, of faith today. Lord, we, uh, we love you and we give you this time now as we... Um, as we get into the message, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This morning we're starting a new series called All Out. And it may be one of the most important sermon series that we've ever done here at Grace Church. As Christians, we need to rediscover our missional essence. We need to rediscover it. We must rediscover it. Because the reality is most people are bored with church. Most people are bored with church. Most people know that there's something bigger. They know that they are supposed to be a part of something that is more meaningful. They're supposed to be a part of a meaningful mission. But they can't seem to find what it is. They haven't been able to wrap their minds around what the mission is for their life. And so they sit in church. Week after week after week, they just sit in church. They're trying to pay attention. They're trying as hard as they can to stay awake. They're paying their tithes. They behave as best they can, trying to be good little Christians. All the while, they're wondering if God is going to rebuke them for failing to do whatever it was that God had called them to do, whatever it was that he wanted them to do. They're afraid that when they get to heaven, they're going to 
be rebuked by God for not doing what he wanted them to do. Reminds me of a California man named Larry Walters. Let me tell you about Larry. Larry went to an Army-Navy surplus store and he bought 75 weather balloons. He inflated them and he attached them to a lawn chair that he had tied down into the back of his pickup truck. With several friends watching, he climbed into the chair and he settled in and he had a friend untie the chair from the back of his truck. The only thing that he took with him was a peanut butter sandwich, a six-pack of beer, and a BB gun. Okay, this is all he took. Two and a half hours later, the Los Angeles International Airport reported an unidentified flying object in the skies above LAX, nearly 16,000 feet in the air. His nickname is Lawn Chair Larry. Lawn Chair Larry. I like this guy. He was three miles in the sky and a hundred miles from his original launch site. The pilot of the 737 who first spotted Larry, he said, Well, I, I, I see what looks like a perfectly still man sitting in a, in a it looks like a lawn chair. And I think he's holding a rifle. So this is the idea that Larry had. Okay, Larry had the idea that he was going to gently float up into the air. And he was going to use his BB gun to pop uh, some of the weather balloons that he had. And he was going to gently float back down to the ground. However, when he untied himself from the back of the truck... His friend said that he shot up into the air like, like he had been shot out of a cannon. In a panic, he did the only thing that he knew to do in a crisis situation like he was in. He broke open the six-pack. Okay, and That's what he did. About 2,000 feet in the air, Larry passed out. And SWAT teams were able to lasso. They were able to get Larry as he floated back to the ground. And after he came back to, after he came back to consciousness, Larry was quickly issued a $4,000 ticket by the local police for the obstruction of airport traffic. And uh, it was kind of neat because a, a local journalist was on the scene and was able to ask Larry three questions. The first question was, Larry... Were you scared? And Larry said, yes. Okay. Actually, he said a few other things, but we're in church. And I'm not going to let you know what else he said. The second question was, Larry, would you do it again? The reporter said, and Larry quickly responded with, no, I wouldn't do it again. And the third question was, why? Larry, why did you do it? Why did you do this? And Larry's response to me was fascinating. He said, I just got tired of always sitting around. I just got tired of always sitting around. You know, many Christians would give the same answer about their church experience. I'm just tired of sitting around. I'm just tired of it. I know there's more. I know there's more. I know I'm supposed to be doing more, but I'm not quite sure what to do. 
in church, they hear all the time that following Jesus is adventuresome. It's full of adventuresome. It's full of life. It's living life to the fullest. They hear things like Jesus is building his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. But most Christians don't see themselves, they don't see their church as prevailing against the gates of hell. They're just sitting around. Most Christians can't remember the last time they saw an adult come to faith in Jesus Christ in their church. They can't think of the last time they saw an adult come to faith in Jesus Christ in their church. They can't think of a time when they saw someone transformed by the power of Jesus Christ. They can't think of a time when they were personally involved in leading someone to faith in Jesus Christ. Most Christians cannot remember a time they led someone to faith. Most churches are in survival mode. Most churches are just trying to pay the bills, and most churches have a hard time paying the bills, much less storming the gates of hell. By the way, storming the gates of hell doesn't mean that we're hiding from Satan. We are not called to hide from Satan and to live these little comfortable lives. We are called to pillage, to ransack, and to go after the enemy. We are called to storm the gates of hell. Let me share some things with you that are kind of disheartening, to be frank. A recent LifeWay research study said that in the next seven years, 55,000 churches, okay, 55,000 churches in the U.S. will close their doors. And the number of those who attend church will drop from 17% to 14%. Also, according to a recent study, only 20% of churches in the U.S. are growing. And only 1% are growing by reaching lost people. This means 95% of church growth comes from shuffling existing Christians around. Okay? It's simply shuffling the deck. We're not adding to the deck. It's simply shuffling Christians around. In the West, part of the world, in the West... The church is shrinking because believers don't know how to disciple others. They don't know how to do it. Very few pastors, very few churches are raising up disciple-making leaders. Very few pastors, very few churches believe that disciple-making is the main objective of the church. What is the main objective of the church? Why does the church exist. We're neglecting the one thing that can launch the church to the ends of the earth, and that is spirit-filled disciples who make other disciples. Most churches measure success by size, by how big it is, how many, you know, are counted, numbers. Now hear me on this. I believe a healthy church is a growing church, OK? 
Okay? I don't want us to use the excuse, hey, because we're not growing, we're spiritual. That's, that's a farce. Okay? A healthy church is a growing church. But I also believe many of us don't understand what the true mission of the church is. We must understand the purpose of the church, the purpose for the church, in order for the church to be effective into the future, we have to have a change of thinking. We have to change how we've always done it. We have to change, church. Let me, let me illustrate this by using three different types of ships. Okay? Try to paint the picture for us by using three different types of ships. Many Christians have a cruise liner mentality. Okay? That's ship number one, cruise liner. They have a cruise liner mentality when it comes to the mission of the church, and it kind of works this way. The church should offer me and offer my family services, okay? All kinds of services like uh, sports, entertainment, child care services. Um, it should be a place where I network for my business. And, uh, you know, people in this cruise liner mentality, they show up thinking, what does the church have to offer me? What does the church have to offer my family? Does it have activities for everybody in my family? Um, is the pastor funny? Because that's really on, on the top of the list there. That's really important. Are his sermons short? That's just right under funny. Um, and is the music good? All right. What does the church have to offer me? And if the church fails to cater to my preferences, well then, I'll simply get on another cruise line because there's plenty of cruise lines in the harbor. There's plenty to choose from. Some even get involved with three or four cruise lines at the same time. The music is great on cruise line number one. The kids program is great on cruise line number two. The youth ministry is strong on cruise line number three. And the preaching is funny on cruise line number four. And they're scattered. That's the cruise line mentality. Many people have the cruise line mentality. Others think the church should be like a battleship. All right? I kind of like this one. This is the way of thinking, or this way of thinking, rather, is, is certainly better than the cruise line mentality. But the battleship mentality implies that the church institution does all the fighting. Okay? On this ship, the role of the church member, you, is to pay the pastors to do the fighting, to find the targets, to fire the guns every Sunday while you sit there and watch. Okay? That's the battleship mentality. On this ship, the members see the programs, the services, and the ministries as the primary way that the church is going to fight and accomplish the mission. Okay, so we have the cruise liner mentality, we have the battleship mentality, and I believe the metaphor that works best to represent the role of the church is an aircraft carrier mentality, all right? Like a battleship, aircraft carriers engage the battle, but they do it in a different way. Aircraft carriers equip, and they send out planes to take the fight to the enemy, and those who have served, okay, those who have served on an aircraft carrier, they will tell you that the last place that they ever want to see the war or the battle is on 
its own deck. They don't want the battle on their ship. That is a nightmare. That's the worst case scenario. Okay? They don't want to see it on their own deck. On an aircraft carrier, the goal is to keep the battle as far away as possible. What you do is you load up the planes, you equip the planes, and you send the planes out to the enemy. You send the planes out to fight. If our church is going to prevail against the gates of hell, we have to view our church like an aircraft carrier. We have to. Certainly not like a cruise liner. And not like a battleship. The members of the church, you, you must learn to share the gospel on your own without the help of a pastor. Without the pastor standing right next to you telling you what to say. You have to be equipped to share your faith, to share your story, to be able to witness for the gospel on your own. The members of the church need to be in the community. You need to be in the community. You need to be starting ministries. You need to be starting small groups. You even need to be starting churches in places where there are none. Our church must be a sending force that equips its members to take the fight to the enemy. That is what the church should be. We have to realize that it's less about the Sunday morning bang, right? It's less about the Sunday morning uh, gathering, and it's more about equipping the saints to do the work of ministry. Grace Church must become a sending church. If we don't become a sending church, we'll simply continue to shuffle Christians around. We'll continue to shuffle Christians around and our church will die a slow, painful, horrific, terrifying, excruciating... Okay, you get the point, right? We're going to die a painful death. It's going to be slow and long, but eventually... Grace Church will fade away. If we truly want to see people transformed, if we truly want to see people come out of the darkness and into the light, we will commit ourselves to raising up disciples and sending them out. That's what our church needs to be. We need to be a sending force. Rather than simply gathering them and counting them. We can't just gather and count. We have to send and I'm going to share four thoughts with you this morning about becoming a sending church. Four thoughts quickly that, that uh, hopefully will encourage you and help you to understand why Grace Church is moving in this direction. The first thought is the fact that we live in a post-Christian society. Have you noticed? America's changing. America's changing. Our country was founded on the bedrock of godly principles but we are a post-Christian society. The number of people who say they have no religious affiliation, okay, none, I'm not religious at all, is higher than it's ever been in our country's history. Going to church is not commonplace in our culture like it used to be. When unchurched people do come to church, it's like a foreign country to them. They come in and it's just, they're uncomfortable, it's weird, it's not something that's commonplace anymore. More and more people say they don't ever plan on attending church. 
They don't plan on coming at Easter. They don't plan on coming for marriages or even for funerals. They don't plan on coming to Christmas Eve services. Author Steve Timmons bluntly puts it this way. Listen to this. He says, new styles of worship will not reach them. Fresh expressions of church will not reach them. New classes about Christianity will not reach them. Great first impressions will not reach them. Churches meeting in pubs will not reach them. The vast majority of unchurched and de-churched people will not turn to the church even if faced with difficult personal circumstances. It's not a question of improving the product. It's not a question of improving church meetings or evangelistic events. It means reaching people apart from meetings and events. It means going out of here and taking it out there. If Grace Church doesn't equip its people to take the gospel outside of our meetings, outside of our events and our gatherings and our programs, we will slowly fade away. We will die a horrible, excruciating, painful, horrific, slow, glass to the eyeballs, death by monkeys, death, whatever. Okay? It will be painful. The second thought about becoming a sending church is the fact that our God is a sending God. Almost every time God speaks to someone in Scripture, He's sending them out on a mission. Jesus said in John 20, 21, As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. I just had chills run down my spine. Can it not get any clearer than that? God sent His Son, and His Son sent us. The church is the vehicle that Jesus chose to complete His mission. The mission of going to the ends of the earth. The mission of taking salvation to all peoples. The mission, this gospel work, it's not finished yet. It's not finished. Did you know that the word missionary cannot be found in the Bible? Not even once. You will not find the word missionary in the Bible. That's because all of us, all of God's people are sent. It's not just these spiritual high and mighty saints. It's all of us. We're all sent. The great preacher Charles Spurgeon, he used to say, every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. Charles Spurgeon, man, he brought the heat. The third reason that Grace Church must become a sending church is because Jesus promised to help those who sinned. In the Gospel of John, Jesus told His disciples that they should be glad that He was leaving. He was getting ready to ascend back up to His Father, and He said, you should be glad that I'm going back to my Father. Because He said, in me going... I am going to send another helper who will make you even more effective than I was while on the earth. John 16, 7, it's to your advantage that I go. Jesus is saying this. 
Because then you will get the Holy Spirit. You will get the Holy Spirit. Man, it must have been crazy for those disciples to like understand what He was saying, to hear that. Jesus had been their personal pastor for over three years. Could you imagine having Jesus Christ as your personal pastor? That'd be incredible. But Jesus said, it will be better if I leave and the Holy Spirit comes. It will be better. And the book of Acts is proof that it was better because the 12 men that we see working in the book of Acts, they were moving in the power of the Spirit and they were equipping others to do the same. And they did great and mighty things. Jesus helps those who send by sending His Holy Spirit. And then lastly, to be a sending church, we, we must have a building mentality, not an inflating mentality. Let me explain. Paul in the book of Ephesians says the primary purpose for, for church leaders, the primary responsibility for pastors and teachers, for other church leaders is to develop, to equip other leaders. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, it says, Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and the teachers. Verse 12, their responsibility, my job, my responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work, to build up the church, the body of Christ. Pastors were given by God to equip the saints to equip the saints for the work of ministry. The saints, the members, more specifically, you are the ones who do the ministry. Pastor J.D. Greer, he put it this way. He said, I often tell our congregation that based upon Paul's explanation, when I became a pastor, I left the ministry. My job now is to equip the congregation to do it. Wow. That's blunt. If the church is truly a movement, if the church has truly been called to go to the ends of the earth, the leaders of Grace Church must be devoted to building up leaders. We have to build. We can't simply inflate. There's nothing wrong with large crowds. Okay? There's nothing wrong. Jesus spoke to and He ministered to large crowds. But crowds won't last. Even when you gather them with miracles and amazing sermons, crowds go away. I mean, where were the 5,000 people that Jesus fed with just a few loaves of bread and a couple fish? Where were all those people when Jesus was dying? Crowds go away. Long-term movements of God are not built by large crowds even when Jesus Himself is doing the gathering. Long-term movements of God happen only when we take the time to reproduce our faith in someone else's heart. When we take the time to disciple and raise up disciples. We have to devote ourselves to the building up of leaders not inflating audiences. Audiences go away. We have to be as devoted to making disciples as we are to growing an audience. 
My granddaddy, my dad's dad, he was an iron worker. He knew how to work. He took his family to a little church in, in Pueblo, Colorado. And uh, my granddaddy, when he heard the gospel for the first time, it gripped his soul. And my granddaddy made the decision to put his faith in Jesus Christ. He actually walked up to the front, and with tears in his eyes, he made the decision to follow Jesus with his life. My dad, as a little boy, my dad tells a story that he was actually really mad at the pastor because he was making his dad cry. But the name of the pastor that poured into my granddaddy, my granddaddy was Warren Ross, that was his name, the pastor that poured into him, his name was Claude Young. And he took my granddaddy under his wing and he taught him how to read the Bible and how to study the Bible. He taught him how to pray. He involved him in ministries in the church. And um, he took time to answer my granddaddy's questions. Bob Ross, my dad, would not have pastored for over 45 years if it wasn't for Pastor Claude Young taking the time to disciple my granddad. I would not be standing in front of you right now if it wasn't for Pastor Claude Young taking the time to disciple my granddad. Church, this... I've wrestled with this because it's honestly it's more fun to it's more fun to focus on big audiences and big events and but man we've taken the time to just pour into one it's not as glamorous sometimes it's not as fun but let me just tell you the fruit that comes from that is so much sweeter so much sweeter. Every year, Vince Lombardi, we know who that guy is, right? Famous coach of the Green Bay Packers. Every year, he would stand in front of his team. He would hold up a football in front of his team, and he would say at the beginning of practice, gentlemen, this is a football. Every year, he started with the basics. Every year. It didn't matter if you were Peyton Manning. You started with the basics. And I think we need someone to stand up in front of us and say, ladies and gentlemen, this is a church. This is a church. We need to get back to the basics. Without the mission, a church is not a church. Without the mission, it would be better if you went to El Rancho every Sunday. Okay? Without the mission, the church is irrelevant. Without the mission, we're just a bunch of disobedient Christians hanging out. And the church is not just a hangout. We are on mission. We are on mission. Are you serious about the mission? Are you moving out into the world with the gospel? Is Grace Church focused on equipping you to go out? Are we serious about getting people to leave Grace Church? 
And this series is a reminder that we need to be an aircraft carrier. That's what kind of a church we need to be. We have to build up leaders. We have to equip leaders who leave Grace Church. They leave Grace Church and they take the gospel outside of these walls. If you're not a missionary, you're an imposter. This morning we're going to practice... Uh, we're going to send out a team, actually. Uh, this morning, we're going to pray them out, and uh, we're going to send out some wonderful families to Juarez, Mexico, to work with servant senders. It's actually a, a ministry that partners with Mexican nationals, and um, those of you that maybe remember Curtis and Sh- uh, Shelly Shockey, um, their parents uh, lead this ministry. Curtis and Shelly uh, attended Fort Lewis College. They came to Grace. They were our missionaries to Costa Rica. And uh, so there's just a neat connection there. But uh, specifically, this team that we're going to be sending out, they're going to be supporting a a local vacation Bible school. They're providing all the crafts for the school. Um, During the day, they're going to be helping to paint a church. They're going to cook lunch at an elderly home. They're going to participate in a a pastor's Bible study. And they're going to perform some outreach at a local market there. And uh, they're leaving immediately after the service. And they're returning back to Durango next uh, Saturday. So let me just say, in the lobby, when you leave this morning, there's going to be a prayer chart at the Welcome Center. And we're asking you to sign up on this prayer chart uh, to pray specifically for this team each day that they're gone. Man, wouldn't it be cool if we are covering them with prayer support each and every day? And they are uh, man, just blessed by that prayer support. So please, when you leave, go to the Welcome Center, sign up to pray for this team each and every day. And uh, I'm going to ask that team if you guys would come up and just stand right up here at the front. And we're going to pray them out this morning. Go ahead and cheer and clap and stuff. That would be cool, huh? That's awesome. Hey, next Sunday... um, the sermon is going to be our story. Um, I'm actually going to take some time to tell our story of a, as a church. Uh, where we've come from, where we're currently at, where we're going, it's going to be uh, uh, an important message for you to hear. But uh, if you would, church, um, if you would stand with me, and man, just extend your hand out towards this team, and uh, once again, sign up, please, after the service to commit to pray for this team. They are going, and we can pray for them. And we can support them through prayer. So if we would extend our hands out in prayer, and I'll uh, pray for this team this morning. Father God, thank you for these people. Thank you for their love for you. Thank you for their willingness to go. And just the image of an aircraft carrier, Lord, we're sending them out. And I pray that you would do great and mighty things in their hearts and in their minds and in their lives. I pray that you would use them in powerful ways to bless the people there in Mexico. I pray that we'd see it. Many kids come to faith at the Vacation Bible School. I pray that they, when they cook lunch at the uh, elderly home, that they would be able to minister and encourage the elderly. I pray that uh, when they do some outreach at the local market, Lord, you would use their outreach to bring many to faith. And uh, I pray for their protection. I pray for their safety. I pray that you bring them back safe. And Lord, use them, um, bless them. And I pray all these things in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, church. You are dismissed this morning. Thank you for being here.